You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Have you always wanted to hear the hockey stories told from the press box? For your premier source of hockey prospect news from across the AHL, NCAA, Canadian Hockey League, and international leagues, this is your all-access pass to The Press Zone, a hockey podcast packed with news, analysis, interviews, and entertainment featured on AHLReport.com. Your hosts, Amy Johnson and Rick Stevens, are experienced, credentialed hockey reporters, bringing you stories built from strong connections throughout the hockey community and from inside rinks all across North America. Welcome to The Press Zone. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Press Zone Philadelphia right here on the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Media. You know, the Press Zone is a proud affiliate of the Hockey Podcast Network, and uh, we're happy to be part of those folks. And we are happy that you are here with us each and every week uh, for another great episode of the Press Zone Philly. I am your host. My name is Amy Johnson. I'm also the lead correspondent here at the AHL Report. And of course, I'm joined each and every week by my tremendous co-host. He is our founder and our editor-in-chief, and his name is Rick Stevens. Good afternoon. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. It's a busy, busy, busy time it for is. being the off-season. Yeah, I don't really... We always say here at Rocket Sports that there really is no off-season because we keep covering hockey all year round, but no, this, re- this year it's like literal. There's like literally no off-season. It just... It just keeps going. Well, particularly, you know, for for people who've been listening to us for a while, they know that we covered the Philadelphia Flyers and their AHL affiliate and ECHL affiliate and their process prospects. But we also do Montreal Canadiens coverage. So seriously, you've had you've been in the offseason for five minutes. <laughs> yeah, the uh, Stanley Cup finals just ending um, and uh, watching the antics of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Mm. And then dent the uh, beloved trophy. I did see on Twitter today, one of someone from the French media had it confirmed to him from Matthew Darsh that it was a player slipped on a wet floor and fell, and that so that they didn't intentionally or it wasn't that they didn't damage the Stanley Cup by doing by you know like throwing the Lombardi Trophy, Tom Brady. But that apparently somebody slipped and fell. Well, they were, and it was in the midst of trying to hand it to fans or something, which is probably it's not a good idea. idea. <laughs> it's just a bad uh, idea. And they dropped it, yeah. Yeah. So, gotta love that. So much fun. Uh, you know, we've been talking about the Stanley Cup. We've got a great show for you coming up today. We have a very special guest. You do not want to miss today. Trust me, Flyers fans, you do not want to miss this show today. Um, But before we talk to him, you've actually heard us talk a lot about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, uh, and how, hey, Payday can come every day by entering their contests with huge cash prizes up for grabs. Uh, Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night, and it's so simple to do. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. 
DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion, that's with a B, $7 billion to users across all sports. That makes DraftKings the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there's no better place than to get in on all of the action. So now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using code THPN. Uh, new users will get a free entry with their first deposit. Now remember, that's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Uh, there is a minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. So what do we have for you today? Well, we've got a great show for you today. Uh, in the first segment, we are going to talk to a very special guest, a friend of the show. Uh, he, We enjoy talking to him every time he makes an appearance. He is the one and only Bill Meltzer uh, from the FlyersNHL.com site and Hockey Buzz. Um, Bill's going to join us today. We're going to talk about the Flyers protected list. We're going to talk about the expansion draft. We're going to talk about the offseason priorities for Chuck Fletcher and... We're also going to talk a little bit about the Flyers alumni and Flyers Warriors as well because uh, they've got some great stuff going on this summer. After that, we are going to head around the AHL in our second segment. We're going to talk about uh, the new Abbotsford team, uh, the Vancouver Canucks moving their AHL affiliate. We're going to talk about those a bit. We're going to talk about how the Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning team uh, is made up of uh, a pretty special group of people who've got a lot of experience working their way up towards that Stanley Cup dream, uh, as well as getting you ready for a very big week upcoming for Hockey News next week. And hey, I'm going to tease our feel-good finale a little bit, um, talking about a new season ahead. No, not necessarily talking about a new hockey season. It's a new season here at the Press Zone. Yes, uh, happy to say we have now entered season five of the Press Zone. Fabulous. This is episode 199 that you're listening to right now. Uh, episode, season five has just begun. We're going to talk a little bit more about that as our feel-good finale. So, Rick, we've got a lot to talk about today. We certainly do. So let's get started. Uh, we did mention, first and foremost, although the Flyers have been uh, playing golf for a couple of months, uh, the Stanley Cup was just awarded last week to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, if you're interested in, you know, Rick, you saw hockey fans from all fan bases, not just the Lightning and the Canadians, mm -hmm. uh, really kind of hop on and and want to get in on the excitement of the Stanley Cup final. Um, and so if you'd like to hear a, a full breakdown from a Canadian's perspective of of what happened at the end uh, for the Montreal Canadiens and, and how they've kind of wrapped up their season, uh, then I welcome you and invite you and encourage you to go check out uh, Rick's other podcast, our sister podcast on, on this network called Canadians Connection. Uh, he and co-host Joe Whalen uh, last Saturday did a deep dive on the end of the Stanley Cup run for the Canadians and, and their exit interviews as well. So be sure to check that out. We certainly saw a lot of hockey fans from the Pennsylvania area we, yeah. uh, supporting uh, the Montreal Canadiens, whether that's uh, just an anti-Tampa Bay thing uh, or whether it's uh, a second team kind of uh, situation. Um, so if, if that applies to you, we welcome you to the Canadians Connection podcast. Lovely. Go find it. Uh, you'll you'll enjoy it. Um the Flyers certainly weren't themselves in any sort of Stanley Cup conversation uh, this year. It's uh, coming off uh, pretty, pretty 
just all around terrible uh, season. And uh, we've talked about how Chuck Fletcher needs to be busy in this off season. Uh, and, and with all of the things coming up in the next couple of weeks, the expansion draft, the entry draft, free agency coming up in, in two weeks, uh, there's a lot that's on the table and, and on the line. And so we thought today, who better to join us uh, than Bill Meltzer? And let me tell you, this is an interview you don't want to miss. Bill's got lots of great information for us. We're pleased here on the Press Zone Philadelphia to be joined uh, by returning guest Bill Meltzer, uh, the official site contributor for the FlyersNHL.com website and, of course, a a contributor for Hockey Buzz as well. Bill, thank you so much for joining us today. It's always such a pleasure when we get to talk to you. Oh, It's always great talking to you, Amy and Rick, and I hope both of your summers are going well. Uh, they are. They are. Uh, they're going to be short, but with uh, all the activity and a very shortened off season. But, uh, and I think that's what we're going to be uh, talking about today. Absolutely. So I think, Bill. The first, you know, it's it's one of those odd things. We were even just just talking about it before the show uh, here that that the Flyers have been off for a couple of months, but uh, it's been a pretty big uh, dry spell as far as Flyers news. So there's uh, the anticipation that the that the organization is going to be pretty active in a very condensed amount of time uh, here in, in July, most likely. So I guess to, to start, just what are your thoughts on that? Is, is Chuck Fletcher going to be as active as he's projected to be? Is it, it do you think it's going to be more, um, you know, trade deals or free agency, or is he going to really try to go big at the entry draft? Um, what are, what are your thoughts of, of his priorities and, and where you think the most action will occur? I, I do, um, you know, from from all indications, um, you know, Chuck Fletcher is already very actively working the phones, uh, kicking tires on potential free agents, and possibly going the trade route. You know, I, I think that um, I don't think he can tie himself into putting all his eggs in one basket, right? Um, you know, the main the mainstream of rumors had been. A large extent of the Flyers are going to go after Seth Jones. That was all over the place. Deli Friedman's really been all over that, um, you know. And now whether Jones would resign or not, that seems to be the sticking point. The Flyers don't seem to, you know, be inclined to, to take that risk necessarily of losing him for nothing in a year. You, you can understand that, um, you know. With Dougie Hamilton maybe come here as an unrestricted free agent, maybe you look at a, a couple of different choices. I, I, you know, I've mentioned a couple of my blogs that. Uh, you know, it seemed like Tampa, you know, first of all, winning the cup back to back years. So, you know, a lot of their players are going to be in high demand. They have cap issues. They may have, um, expansion draft issues. You know, that's, that's the, that's the bad, <laughs> there's a bad side to being the back to back champions. <laughs> it's that, you know, when you have a limited number of players you can protect, you're going to have players who other teams are going to, you know, jump on if they, if they can. And I, when I was running through just, Theoretically, what what their protected list might be, you know, whether they're protecting seven forwards and three defensemen or four and four, they're potentially losing some quality, you know, a quality player. Um, you, know, you can only lose one, but I mean, if they they only protect three defensemen. Well, then, do you protect Ryan McDonough or do you protect Eric Chernak? You know, I mean, either way, you're you're going to lose a quality guy. Um, mm-hmm. you know, up front, up front, they, if they do protect, if they do go four and four, then you know could. Um, Sorelli be a guy that, that might be they might have to lose or, or you know or a guy like Palat so I mean these are players who they don't want to lose and they're, they're, there's opportunity for a team like the Flyers or other teams to be able to potentially work a deal with them so there's there's the trade route there's the free agency route there's the, the 
bigger names that are out there. And sometimes it's not always the, the big headline grabbing moves that can be what make, you know, be what really helped the team. If you remember a couple of years ago with Philadelphia, uh, didn't grab a ton of headlines when they, when they, other than, well, the, it was the Kevin Hayes acquisition, but really the, the uh, acquisition of Matt Niskanen to a lesser extent, Justin Braun, it really was Philadelphia springboard itself the next season. Um, and the Flyers need some, some guys to bounce back, but they also need to re, redo the mix a little bit. You know, I I know a lot of times um, the fan base, there's always the focus on scoring. We need a sniper. We need a sniper. Well, you know, the Flyers in, in 2019-20 were seventh in the NHL in offense, also seventh in goals against average, too. So that's a nice combination. You're going to be a playoff team, you know, 100 times out of 100 if you're in the top 10 both in goals for and goals against. Um, last year when the Flyers got off to an 11, four and three start, they were playing very poor defensively. Um, Mm -hmm. and they were actually fourth in the NHL in goals per game. And then what happened in March, of course, was the, they they were just (laughs) really, it was, it was an untenable situation because the goals against average just exploded. I mean, that was the, the worst goals against month in, in franchise history, which is crazy because. You're kind of the '80s and the early '90s. It's league-wide and high-scoring. Yeah, you know the Flyers just could not keep the puck out of their net. And then eventually, what happens if you're playing from behind every night is it's going to take you know the it's going to take the offense down with it too. You have no margin for error any night, and it just every night you're playing behind two to nothing. It felt like so the offense kind of went with it. But I mean, I think the the two priorities that um, Chuck Fletcher is focused on this offseason. Uh, number one is going to be playing playing a much better brand of two way hockey as a team, and that's going to that's going to involve changing the mix a little bit, lowering the goals against average. And it's not a secret that uh, the number one priority is to bring in a, a right side defensive partner for Ivan Provorov. Whether that's you know how what form that'll take, whether Seth Jones is available or not, whether you, whether Dougie Hamlin wants to come to Philadelphia, or whether you're making maybe two moves to bring in, you know, it's a Cherenak maybe in a second pairing. Maybe you bring in a, a guy like David Savard for a year or two. Um, you know, maybe an Adam Larson as, as a free agent. I mean, there are, you know, there are, there are names that are maybe not as big of names as the Seth Jones type, but that might that might fill a need on the team and, and be able to help, particularly in combination with some other moves. They, uh, they're going to need – also more balance up front. They need more two-way players. They need a little more physicality and grit. They need more speed. That's, that's an awfully big chopping list that you're not going to be able to check everything off the box. Mm-hmm. Um, the other the other piece being that's going to be a necessity. It's going to be a a, uh, a goaltending partner for Carter Hart. Um, with Brian Elliott unrestricted this offseason. Um, Felix Sandstrom, and it was an odd story with, with Felix this offseason, which I'll just touch on briefly in a second. But he's not. I mean, he doesn't seem to be NHL ready at this point. He did finish the American League season pretty strong in his final five starts or so. But he doesn't seem ready to push for a you know significant NHL time. And Samuel Erson, although he's highly regarded, is, is playing his first year in the American League next season. So, you know, getting getting a goaltending partner who, whether you know whether Carter Hart bounces back to what degree, they're still going to need another goalie with him and a guy who potentially can. Push him for playing time too, um, whether it's just the ups and downs of a season. Or Carter has a little bit of an injury history so far in his career. He's he's missed a little bit of a little bit of time due to injuries in every season so far. So they're going to need to improve the goaltending depth, and that'll be that'll be up there too. 
Um, you know, as part of the improving the two-way play, you need more saves from your goalie. That's going to be part of it. And improving the penalty kill. Because the penalty kill was pretty solid in, in 2019-20, and that just crashed and burned mm-hmm. last season, too. So there's a, there's a whole lot of things that he has to check off his list. Probably can't do all of them. You're going to need bounce-back seasons from a number of players. Um, Kevin Hayes being one. Carter Hart certainly being at, at the top of the list. Um, Travis Sanheim to an extent if he's not traded. Um, so, uh, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of uncertainty. And the, uh, the other thing, the other thing I'll, I'll just add before we move on is that this is a critical offseason for the Flyers for another couple of reasons. Number one being that uh, Sean Couturier is a year away from unrestricted free agency. Uh, when he was asked about resigning, he, he stopped short of saying, yes, I'm going to resign here. You know, it's kind of a wait and see. Well, if the Flyers have another year where they're not contending for a playoff spot, you, know, you, you can't blame a player for wanting a chance to win. Mm-hmm. And Couturier's already been through a rebuild here. You know, when, when Ron Hextall was a general manager, he spent four years essentially rebuilding the farm system. And during that period of time, the Flyers were uh, a bubble playoff team. They kept enough pieces in place to be a bubble playoff team, but they weren't a cup contender at any point during that. And they, they, had, they made the playoffs and they missed the playoffs on an alternating year basis. It's, it's continued. It's been kind of crazy because 2013 they missed. 13-14 they, they were in the playoffs. 14-15 they're out. 15-16 they're in. 16-17 they're out. 17-18 they're in. 18-19 they're out. 19-20 they're in. 2021, they're out. It's been really that alternating pattern. So I guess it is a hopeful sign. They'll be back in again this year, but you need to put an end to that cycle. Yeah. And you can't, you can't be in and out and in and out, right? So, um, Pretoria wants to see that there's a commitment to winning. And, um, you know, if, if, if there were to be a worst case scenario, then you're probably looking at moving him at the deadline. Um, if, you know, you if you're looking like you're not in a playoff race again and then the player might want a chance to win somewhere else. And then, you know, you're also looking at your a lot of your core. I mean, Claude Giroux is, is going to be 33 years old, and, and Jake Voracek is going to be 32 years old. And who's the next generation of players that, that steps up and, and steps to the forefront? You know, I mean, Ivan Provorov is, is part of that, but he's still, you know, he still has had some inconsistencies as, as well, playing pretty well overall, but he hasn't, you know, he hasn't, I think he still has room to, to get better, and Joel Farabee looks like he's certainly an up-and-coming up player in the league and already had a 20-goal season. But, you know, is Joel Farabee going to take over as a top-line player in the immediate future? Uh, Travis Konechny has to bounce back. So, you, so you're so you really looking at a team at a crossroads here. If they don't make the right moves this year and really establish themselves as, as a contender again and a contender for, uh, you know, a period of time where it goes beyond a year, you know, and I then you might be looking at a situation again where you're, you're, you know, you are taking down some pieces, looking over a couple of seasons again, and then you're, you know, I mean, there's just all kinds of things that go with that. You know, coaching regimes, GM regimes, all of that. This, this is why it's a crucial off season. Any which way you, any which way you want to look at it, any angle you look at the flyer, this is a vital off season for them. And Chuck Fletcher has to get it right. So to to have, you know, any you no, know, he has to have multiple irons in the fire. And um, really, really has to yes and now. It's off season. Simple as that. You you use the word critical off season, uh, vital, crucial, and and I think you're right on that. 
Um, but uh, with that, that kind of uh, and and the discussion about how aggressive uh, the flyers potentially could be, I, that that has the danger of attaching expectations to it for the fan base. You mentioned that the fans have, um, you know, the, the, they want part of part of this off season. Uh, plan in in is going to be bringing fans back and exciting fans and and uh, while David Savard and and Chernak were were uh, solid competent defensemen uh, for a Stanley Cup winner, uh, you know are they the kind that that move the needle and and you know Seth Jones would be uh, although if as if Elliot Friedman is correct um, you know he's he has to be convinced uh, to come to to Philadelphia. Uh, the other name that's out there was kind of a surprise. Vladimir Tarasenko uh, said he was looking for a trade. Um, that's a player that would certainly, uh, you know, get Flyers fans excited. And you know, there's would would fan would fans accept giving up a a Morgan Frost or a Fleet Myers or. Probably, but is you know is is that the kind of player? I, I guess everybody could use a, a Tarasenko, the s- sniper that he is. But do you see that as a potential fit uh, for this offseason plan? Well, really, where I saw uh, potentially a trade for Tarasenko, I haven't heard you know I haven't heard anything along these lines. It's not this is an inside information. I'm just trying to where where there may be fit, right? And to me. The potential fit is with Jake Voracek because Voracek is a still productive player. He's actually he's actually outproduced Tarasenko in, in three of the last four years, and the one year he didn't, they were two points apart. You know, I don't think St. Louis can get a better player than, than Voracek for Tarasenko unless they they want to get unless they want to get draft picks and pieces like that. And you know, St. Louis is the position of having. You know, Looking to have to move the player because he, he said he's asked for a trade. So to me, to me, there's a, a potential trade there where you know what what uh, St. Louis would be getting. They'd be getting a healthier player. Voracek, even though he's a couple years older, has a at least he's been remarkably healthy throughout his career. He's barely missed games. Um, you know, in this past year when he missed games, it was uh, it was COVID related. Um, and thankfully, his case was mild, and actually, 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 he was asymptomatic. As a matter of fact, so um, you know, he had he had to sit out the time. But he, um, but at any rate, so you're getting a couple guys. One's going to be thirty. One's in his early thirties. Both can get you 65, 70 points in a season. Tarasenko more in the goal end. Voracek more in the more in the uh, you know the, the assist end, the playmaking side of it. Um, both you know both bring some size to the lineup. Neither especially two way players, but they, they make up for it in other ways. So that's where I that's where I might see, you know, a potential trade. And also when you look at the dollars and cents of it, Borchek makes more than Tarasenko, but it's only seven hundred and fifty thousand. It's not a ton of difference. The advantage of Philadelphia would be that uh, Tarasenko has two years left in his deal, whereas Borchek has three. So, you know, you're saving a little bit on cap. You're saving one year of term. But St. Louis to be getting the healthier and the guy who's been recently a little more productive. So I think that uh, you know if you have a fit, that's about where I would look. I wouldn't be looking to move young pieces for for Tarasenko because you know how healthy how healthy he is after multiple shoulder surgeries and not being able to stay in the lineup. I don't I don't know if I'd want to be in a situation where 
you know, you're trading your trading your first round picks, trading your young players, and you have a situation where Tarasenko is plays twenty five games one year, forty games the next, and all of a sudden he's unrestricted. I don't I think that could be counterproductive. Whereas, you know, if you're saving a year on cap it's it and you're you know, it's potentially it's potentially worth the risk if, if you're moving Voracek and that kind of move. And Voracek doesn't have a no trade clause either, whereas Tarasenko does would have to waive to come to Philadelphia. So that that's really more where I see the fit if if there were to be some, something along those lines that's done. So for the listeners uh, who are saying, you know, why why are these people talking about uh, trading Voracek? Uh, maybe uh, I know Amy is going to get to uh, talking about the expansion draft, but maybe you can just talk about the expectation that that Voracek uh, won't be protected on the Flyers uh, list and and the implications of that. Yeah, and and if uh, and I say so certainly no reason to doubt Elliot Friedman. Who, you know, almost always right on the money, mm-hmm. and he's well plugged in. Um, you know, Freed reported that uh, the Flyers management had spoken with Jake, and they told him he wasn't going to be protected. Um, I mean, the Flyers are looking to create cap space this summer to be able to make some other moves. Borchek has been here 10 seasons, so you know, he's been here through, really, you go, you go all the way back to uh, the 2011-12 season. That's uh, that was his first year in Philadelphia after the trade from Columbus. So he's been here a long, long time. Um, so, you know, with him pulling down $8.25 million a year, uh, and his, his actual real dollar salary is a little lower than his cap hit, which you know, that, that may, might be a consideration for Seattle because they have to get to the cap floor. So anytime you can have a higher hit than an actual real dollar salary, that can be, that can be beneficial in getting – it seemed getting to the floor, but you know, so many times with players, if you're not protecting them in the expansion draft, it's not because you don't like the player. It's not because he, he can't still be an effective player or, or a good player for somebody else. It really comes down to the dollars and cents of, of a flat cap and a team like Philadelphia that's looking to change the mix and looking to improve. When you have a veteran who makes over 8 million has three years of term left, it can be a difficult trade. I said, I mean, I'm, I'm, I ran through the Tarasenko scenario where you're, you know, where there's some risk, there's some risk on both sides and there's a big financial commitment on both sides. That's really, you're either looking to move money for money or you're, you know, worth an expansion draft kind of scenario where you went capitally period. So that, those are kind of probably what the flyers are looking at. We're checking the flyers are hardly, you know, the only team in that kind of boat. If you, if you look at most rosters on their, uh, uh, they're, expo- they're likely exposure list for the expansion draft. There's almost always going to be guys who've been good players in the league can still play, but the cap hit and or term, uh, given given the cap realities in you know in, in today's NHL, uh, make it hard to do other things in the offseason. So that's that's really why Voracek would be available. Well, Rick uh, kind of led us into the expansion draft uh, a bit, so let's let's talk about the expansion draft happening uh, next week. Who who do you believe uh, on the Flyers roster is going is is likely to to be put on the protected list and and won't be exposed? Okay, well, let's see. Um, you start out with the two you have to protect because both. Uh, Claude Giroux and, and Kevin Hayes have no movement clauses. They'd both be protected anyway, but those are your first two. Um, they will uh, certainly protect uh, 
Travis Connecting. Joel Faraby, thankfully, is exempt, so he doesn't have to be protected. Um, Scott Lawton will be protected. Um, we got a list in front of me right here, but uh, what, what name is Robert Couturier is a no-brainer to protect. Um, Oscar Lindblom will be protected. Um, I would figure that um, unless he's traded, Nolan Patrick will be protected because as disappointing as as this past season was and the fact that he's, he missed the season before that, you're not just going to let, let a 22-year-old second overall pick from a couple of years ago you know, walk away for nothing. If you're, if you're going to, you know, if he's not going to be here, you're going to trade him for something. So I think, I think he's on the protective list. Um, you know, guys, that, guys that would be not on the list just because you went out of the seven names there. Um, that would be uh, James and Reemsdick, possibly, like quite possibly. Uh, Jake Voracek, Nicholas Albaquibel would be uh, another name who uh, you know I. I you run to the numbers game with, and then those those would be guys you'd be most likely to lose on the defensive side. Uh, protect Ivan Provorov. You protect Travis Sanheim. Uh, as of right now, you you would protect Phil Myers, and that would mean that um, Justin Braun and Robert Haig would both be exposed. Uh, Carter Hart, of course, is the goalie you protect, and Sandstrom um, has enough experience now where he's although in very low danger of being taken because of more proven goalies out there, he would satisfy the requirement for who you would expose the expansion draft. Well, what was odd with Sandstrom um, was that uh, a team in Finland actually put out a press release that they signed him. <laughs> it was and so bizarre. Then, it was so odd. Yeah. yeah, it was strange. And then in less than 48 hours, the Flyers said, no, we've, we've resigned them. Um, now, what often happens, what I think happened here, and I believe is the case of Felix. Quite a few European players have an NHL agent, but also a European league agent. And whoever represented whoever represents Felix in in Europe signed them onto the signed them onto the Finnish <laughs> team. But his NHL agent said, "Wait, wait, wait! Not so fast. We're not done with Philly yet." And I, I really think I really think that's what happened. Uh, and usually, guys have an out clause by before a certain date anyway, so they can sometimes leverage signing with a team in Europe to force the NHL team's hand and then they, they exercise their alcohols and they stay in the NHL. But it, it's, it's very strange that a team would actually go ahead and put out the press release that he signed, you know, and then 48 hours later, the NHL team says, no, we've resigned him and the team has to backtrack. You know? <laughs> no, you can't That's have strange. him. He's ours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, as far as the, the, um, the, the players who, might be might be selected by Seattle and and looking through the mocks, I, I guess you see uh, a James Van Riemsdyk. His name comes up uh, very often. Um, sometimes Nick Abe Kubel um, and and Shane Gostaspear is out there and and I wonder I wonder if um, with Dave Haxtall now being uh, named the head coach and and one of the things in the press conference, Ron Francis said that. He said uh, one of the reasons they they hired him was was Dave works with uh, people to make them better, and certainly um, you, th- there's that connection with with Gostaspear. So do you think that that uh, his stock has uh, Gostaspear's stock has or the probability that he's taken has risen uh, with uh, Dave Hax- Haxtall being named uh, uh, head coach? Well, I don't. Yeah, that, that, that's an interesting one. Of course, I forgot to put Ghost's name out there, and that's, that's 
my bad because he's a prime candidate to be selected. And uh, even though even though he uh, was placed on waivers this year and not claimed, that really was strictly a cap thing. Two years of term left at four and a half million. You know, there were a lot of teams that were that were in playoff position where they were going to be able to take on that cap hit just because not a lot of teams had enough cap space to do that. And to tie in for two more years, that that was really that was really why that was really why goes faster waivers this year. You know, when I don't think Haxel and Ghost had a bad relationship. You know, at the time, at the time, you know, there were. I mean, I think a lot of Flyers fans got upset at times with the Paxel and and, and uh, yeah, Ghost was often a player that they, they would point to. I mean, Ghost had that Calder final season under under Haxel, uh You know, it was in 2015-16. That was that was Hack's first year as coach, and uh, Ghost started out the year in the American League, and then Mark Strike got injured, and. Um, you know, the ghost came up and the rest was history because those had that big, long uh, scoring streak that set a rookie for set a rookie record in the NHL for a defenseman, um, you know, runner up for the Calder, blah, blah, blah. And then year two was the opposite because those had a really poor, struggling second year. Um, and Axel scratched them more than once. They, you know, and I don't, I don't know how much he really saw eye to eye. I mean, it's truthful. It's truthful. I, I think there's a little bit of revisionist history because they, <laughs> I, I think Ghost and, and Axel had a little bit of tension between each other. I know that, I know that Ghost, um, you know, had differences of opinion. I, and I really like Shane. Shane is a guy who stands up for what he believes in, knows what he has to do to be successful as a player, and you know, he he, he has a strong self belief. But, but I think that there were times where where Shane clashed with. Um, Gordon Murphy, who was the Flyers' assistant coach in charge of defensemen, then he clashed a little bit also with uh, Rick Wilson um, when Rick Wilson was the defensive coach. Um, you know, so and then of course Mike Yo subsequently took over. You know, I, I think that those uh, had that alternating year pattern: really good, really good first year, tough second year, almost like the team, right? <laughs> really good third season. <laughs> it's a thing. pattern it's evolving here. The too. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, Ghost had a Ghost had that big year in in, in 2017-18, which in a lot of ways was probably his best year in the NHL. Um, didn't score as many goals as he did in his rookie year, but I think he had his best all-around year that year. And um, Haxel did put him up on the top pairing with uh, Ivan Provorov, and they they clicked. Although although it was kind of a tough playoff, or particularly for for Ghost against Pittsburgh. But the team as a whole, the Flyers had a very poor series against Pittsburgh, which is funny because it almost won seven games anyway. The Pittsburgh played almost as poorly as the Flyers did, but the Flyers just played a little worse, honestly. <laughs> but, you know, but they, so they, they established themselves as the top pair that year. And then 2018-19 comes around, and, I mean, Ghost and, and, and um, Provorov, as good as they were together the year before, that's how much they struggled. Of course, Ghost wasn't healthy either. He had knee issues already. So they kind of have plagued him for a couple of years. But, you know, I mean, it, it only took a month for, uh, for Haxel to break up that pairing. And, um, you know, and then, then Ghost actually has moved way down in the lineup, and I don't think he was very happy about that. You know, now in terms of personally, because then, cause then Hack was out, and then, uh, you know, Scott Gordon was in to finish the season, and then uh, Helene Vignon was in. So, you know, I, I think his relationship with Haxel had some ups and ups and downs to it. I don't think I don't think that they 
you know, saw eye to eye all the time, but I don't think they hated each other either. I don't think it was ever anything personal. It was just differences in philosophy. But, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, Hack, Hack is sometimes a hard guy to discuss with the Flyers fans just because I think there's a, a perception of how he is that's not exactly accurate. You know, I, I do think he's a better communicator than and sometimes it seemed like here. I think I think Hack publicly was just so guarded all the time. Um, you know, but I think he was different with his players. Um, I, you know, like I, I mean, I've told the story with Dave before, and Dave's actually a really good guy. You, you know, when when he lets the guard down a little bit, I mean, he's just he's a really bright hockey guy. He's actually a good guy to talk to, and he, he you know he's a really bright hockey guy too. But I, I've told the story. Hack was in his second year as Flyers head coach. And I was in the locker room, you know, like, like everybody else, like all the other beat writers in there every day, virtually. And one morning I walked into the skate zone and, and um, Dave is coming in and he walks past me and he says, um, good morning, Bill. And I, I actually didn't answer right away. I stopped. I looked over my left shoulder. I looked over my right shoulder because I wasn't <laughs> sure if Bill Barber or Bill Clement was walking behind me. David never said hello to me by name before. And I, <laughs> You know, and 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 it's just it was just just Dave. He just really took a he, you know he really took a long time for to let his guard down, and he's actually you know, I mean, but I mean, uh, so at, at any rate, I, I think Hack learned a little bit. You know, he I think he learned a lot from his time in Philadelphia. I'm happy he's getting another chance as an NHL head coach. You know, the truth of the matter is that in today's NHL, there really are no bad head coaches. These are the best of the best, um, you know, and they're they're well organized. They run good practices. They know their personnel. They stay up. You know, this is it, it's a different time and age. I think there was a time when there were NHL head coaches who were maybe not very good professional head coaches. That's a long time ago already at this point. But I, you know, I, I mean, I think Hack will do fine in Seattle. Whether they, you know, whether. I mean, it's really not on him to, to duplicate what uh, you know Gallant did in, in Vegas. That's really hard to do, and I don't, I don't even think necessarily that's what Seattle's trying to do. I think they're going to go with a younger group on the whole. You know, I think. Uh, I mean, if you look at, at Vegas, you know, they're one of the older teams in the league, and even then, they took a lot of players that were in their mid twenties at that point. Now they're getting in their late twenties. Ones are still there, or you know, or, or some of the some of the trades that they made, guys in their 30s. I, I think Seattle's going to go more of the slow and steady route to build. And I, I think Hack will do, I think Hack will be okay there. Um, you know, in, in terms of uh, in terms of Hack's influence on the expansion draft, certainly he'll put in his two cents. But I think that uh, Ron Francis is a, an experienced general manager. He's an experienced scouting staff and they kind of know what they want already and, and Hack will put in the two cents. But I don't think I don't think their pick from the Flyers is necessarily going to be determined by Dave. I think it'll be based on what their scouts' recommendations are and, and how it fits in the bigger picture of building building a team, and that'll really be a, up to Ron Francis. I think there's one thing that uh, we're certainly guaranteed of for these these last few weeks in July is that there will be no shortage of uh, surprises. There will be no shortage of um, 
both ends of the spectrum of opinions from Flyers Twitter from fans <laughs> of of each of Chuck Fletcher's moves, um, and uh, certainly between the expansion draft, the entry draft, and free agency, I think it's going to be a, a busy news cycle for uh, for all of us uh, covering the Flyers and. Uh, I, th- I think it's going to be one that everyone's going to be certainly paying attention to uh, quite closely, as you as going back to uh, to what you said, a, cr- a critical off season. Um, if there's one thing, just to shift gears a little bit, that there uh, hasn't necessarily been a short of shortage of, it's been uh, events and and happenings with both Flyers alumni and the Flyers Warriors. Uh, I know the 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 golf tournament seemed to go off with a, with a big success, but the big the big uh, showcase that the alumni. Uh, faced off against the Warriors uh, just a few weeks ago. Um, just wanted to to get your thoughts on on how it went. It seemed to go off uh, really wonderfully with a with a big success and and plenty of fans coming out. But uh, from from your perspective, just how was the event? What were the highlights? Um, and just overall the feeling from the day. Yeah, I mean the the Flyers alumni and the Flyers Warriors, and I know and you guys have talked about the Flyers Warriors before, but for those, for fans who are not familiar with them, uh, the Warriors are a, a team of uh, U.S. veterans uh, who have um, certifi- VA certified disabilities. Um, and, uh, I mean, the, the program has grown by such leaps and bounds that they actually have three rosters. They have an A, A level, B level, and then basically C squad, beginner, beginner with hockey level. Um, they don't turn anybody away as long as they you know, meet the qualifications. And um, I mean, just the way that program has grown uh, in, in less than two years, and you know the the uh, men and women on the team, and and uh, Brad Marsh and Bob Kelly and and uh, Rob Bear deserve all the credit in the world for you know how wonderful the program it is. And I know the Flyers alumni as a whole just have a lot of admiration and, and mutual respect for the Warriors guys. So. A couple of weeks ago, um, this was a rescheduled event from, from last year during during the pandemic. Um, thankfully, we were able to do it this year. Uh, there was a game. It was actually three 20-minute periods, one against the C squad, one against the D squad, and one against the A squad of the, the Warriors with the Flyers alumni playing. You know, three basically three 20-minute games. Uh, you know, with score going back to zero zero at the start of each period. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, it was also it was also to celebrate Joe Watson. Flyers Hall of Famer, who recently retired after 54 years of the organization as a uh, as a player, uh, two-time Stanley Cup winner, two-time NHL All-Star. Um, then he was a uh, an assistant coach with the team, uh, was a coach during some training camps, was a pro scout with the team, and then for the last um, 35, 36 years, um, he was uh, he worked in sales and marketing with the team. Um, and he was also, in, in 1984, really the one who founded the Flyers alumni team to begin with. So Joe retiring this year, I mean, he's, uh, he's such a vital figure and in some ways just as important to the team history as, as a Bobby Clark or Bernie Perron or an Ed Snyder in, in, in his own way. So to honor Joe for 54 years with the organization, um, both the game and the, uh, the golf tournament, and it was, the building was packed. It was actually at the rink that his brother Jimmy uh, is one of the owners of and runs the hockey program there. Mm-hmm. So they couldn't have picked a better venue for it. Um, you know, fans are just fans are just thrilled to come out and actually watch some live hockey again. Um, we got got some big name alumni there. Don LeClaire played in the game. 
Um, Danny Breyer played in the game. Obviously, Joe played in the game, which might have been his, which might be his final alumni game. Um, he's a little emotional about that because he's you know between between playing in the NHL and and the alumni team and the Hollywood All Stars and the heroes of hockey. Joe played. Uh, I think he estimated one thousand three hundred or so games, going wow. back from nineteen sixty four to twenty twenty one. Pretty much on it. Yeah, uninterrupted. Whew. Uninterrupted. So uh, other than other than when he had the three running leg injury, I mean he he's been playing in things all those years. So this this might have been his, his final his final game. You know he'll, he'll still be in alumni events, maybe as a celebrity coach or that kind of thing, but probably his last time playing. So it was a it was a it was a very emotional day. It was, it was a whole lot of fun. And then the uh, the golf tournament the next day, which raises money for all of the, the charitable things that the Flyers alumni do. And I know you had Brad Marsh on as a guest, and Brad mm-hmm. was talking about they have a uh, a program that builds um, adaptive bikes for, for special needs children. They have another program, the uh, 12 Days of uh, Christmas Season Giving, where every day the alumni present a check or they volunteer time or something to a charitable organization mostly the Delaware Valley. So, um, so, you know, they, they just do fabulous work and to, events such as these help pay for, you know, things like that. So now they're doing a Jersey auction from the game, but it, it, it couldn't have been any better. And you had alumni literally spanning the entire history of the organization. And even some current flyers came out for the golf event. Uh, Samuel Moran was there. I know Carson Twerinsky was there. So you really had literally 1967 through 2021 of flyers. Hmm. Um, there were, I think, over 50, 55 or so alumni were at the at the golf tournament. So you know, uh, it, it really, it really is just just always a special weekend when they do it. And uh, you know, it was, I mean, I, I had a great time. I think I think everybody had a great time. But the most important thing is they you know raise some money for some uh, for some great organizations and causes. The, the Flyers Warriors, of course, benefited too from the uh, from the showcase game. So that's. All good stuff. Um, well, the other thing that's coming up next will be the annual Flyers Alumni um, Fantasy uh, Fantasy Camp, um, which will be at the class of twenty one, the class twenty three rank rather at, at the University of Pennsylvania. Okay, uh, that's this the seventh annual year for it, and uh, as with every other year, it's already sold out. But if anybody <laughs> wants to come out and see, uh, the admission is free, and then the public is welcome to attend the games. It, it, it's always fun because you're right at ringside and the you know, they have a lot of the Flyers alumni serve as the coaches and they're always chirping back and forth. And it's, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, you know, you, um, you know, I, I've always wanted to participate myself in one of these things, but, uh, Bob, Bob Kelly has told me, Oh, that's great, Billy, but that'll be, you know, that'll be $4,000. <laughs> 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 like, no, you know what? <laughs> I think I'll just uh, watch. Well, maybe, some, maybe someday, Hounds. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, but I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's a fantastic event. And, um, I said, those, those guys just do, do great work in the community and they're just, you know, just a great group of people. So it's, it's, it's a whole lot of fun. Two, two just short follow-up things from that. First of all, if, if anyone does want to donate to the um, Flyers alumni efforts or Flyers warrior efforts, um, you know, whether it's every child deserves a bike or any of those um, charitable initiatives, where's the best place for them to go to do that? Uh, well, the, uh, the Flyers warriors do their, you know, do their own, fundraising so okay. you can uh, contact them um you know they have a facebook page they have a, a website that they're they're really going to expanding and, and uh you know playing playing up to a higher degree so you would contact the flyers warriors directly for that uh for the flyers alumni 
Uh, you can go to flyersalumni.net and our, our slogan is hit the net because it's a new URL. Um, <laughs> That's great. And uh, you, you can donate to, you know, every child deserves a bike or, or whatever. Or also on also via Facebook, they also have a, a donate link. But if, uh, if you want to specify for something like every child deserves a bike, that uh, much appreciated. And if you donate fifty dollars or more, uh, you get a you get a T-shirt that's an Every Child Deserves a Bike T-shirt. Um, so just one one more thing, real fast about that. We've done a couple of donations so far. Uh, we have another one that's coming up shortly, and then the one after that. And that that one's actually really special because that'll be the first donation that's within the uh, Flyers alumni family. Oh, if you remember Scott Daniels was a, a, a tough guy from the from the nineties. Okay. Uh, uh, Scott's grandson. Um, has a has a uh, condition that can confines him to a wheelchair. So we're actually donating a, an adaptive bike to his grandson Adrian. Oh, that's uh, tremendous! And that's uh, that. It's, uh, it's always special when you can keep it in the family like that. And of course, Scott's a great guy. His his, his grandson is, is adorable. I mean, just uh, if you ever, <laughs> if you go on to the uh, Flyers alumni Twitter, you can watch video of uh, Scott pushing Adrian around the rink um, with the. Uh, showcase game they had they had a great time and adrian adrian uh, who has his own who has his own uh youtube channel and, and uh <laughs> he's most definitely not shy he loves the camera he does uh he does commercials for children's hospital in boston oh wow he's just nice. he's just uh that he's, uh, he's a bundle of personality so uh <laughs> anyway so uh you know so adrian will be one of the one of the uh recipients of a bike and then we have uh, several other in the philadelphia community coming up and it's really it's really the Flyers fans that, that make that make all that possible because the bikes cost uh, anywhere from four thousand to six thousand a piece, depending on what the child's specific needs are. And the Flyers alumni pay through the donations to have the bikes custom built, and then they just they just donate the bikes to the kids. So that's uh, you know it's really Flyers fans are helping make all that possible. That's wonderful. Now, just one last thing. You mentioned Joe Watson. You're talking about great characters and personalities. You mentioned that Joe Watson was was honored uh, both at the 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 alumni and warriors showcase and at the golf tournament. Um, but just as just a quick little sneak peek, you're actually working on a very special project with Joe Watson, correct? Yes, I am. Uh, Joe is writing his autobiography. I'm helping him. I'm helping him work on it and. And I said, Joe is a guy who, uh, you know, he's an old school player, he's an old school player, you know, uh, and there's <laughs> just all heart. But he's, he's, uh, I mean, Joe's an encyclopedia, you know, when as part of researching and putting the book together, of course, you, you fact check things. But Joe remembers, if Joe remembers the score of a game from 1967 or whatever the case might be, you look it up and he's, he's almost, almost always right. And <laughs> if he's off, he might say it's two to one, but it was three to two. But I mean, he's just, he has a remarkable mind and for, for detail, you know, and, and incredible memory, photographing memory. And Joe tells the best stories. Um, so there, you know, there'd be a lot, be a lot of, a lot, a lot of funny anecdotes in there. Uh, bits of wisdom. Cause Joe's, you know, Joe, uh, as Joe understands what it takes, you know, team building leadership. I mean, Joe is, uh, Joe's nonstop. I mean, Joe was, Joe just turned 78 years old or just, yeah, just turned 78. And, uh, you know, I mean, but, uh, he has, he has more energy than people a fraction of his age, you know? <laughs> and, um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to it and I'll just close with my, with my favorite Joe Watson story, recent one, at least, um, a few years ago, um, it was the last game of the season. And, uh, 
I was meeting up with a guy uh, by the name of Corey Mickey. Now, Corey's dad, Larry, played in the NHL. He played for the Flyers. He played for Buffalo. played for some other teams. And Larry, who uh, passed away a number of years ago, Larry was uh, Joe's teammate with the Flyers. And um, so I ran into Joe. It was between the first and second period, final game of the season, Flyers against uh, Columbus. And uh, Joe asked me, well, you know, where are you going? I said, I'm going to uh, go, go say hi to uh, Corey Mickey. And he said, you remember your old teammate, Larry Mickey? And, you know, and Joe's like, well, we'll bring him over. You know, <laughs> Joe's all, you know, I said, I said okay, well, I'll, I'll go get him and I'll, we'll come say hi. And um, we, uh, I went down to, to where Corey was and we rode up from the uh, suite level. And uh, as we're walking towards where Joe is, there's like all the security blocking our way. Um, and, uh, it's because it's because, uh, Joe and Joe Biden were at the game. Oh, <laughs> so there's secret, there's secret service there. There's, there's arena security. And, um, and I, I said to one of the security guards, listen, you know, I, I know, you know, <laughs> we understand, but like Joe Watson is waiting, waiting for us over there. They actually escorted us through the line. Because Joe Watson is royalty at the Wells Fargo Center, so Joe, and uh, there, there Joe was, you know, still waiting, still waiting for Corey, even though it was almost the end of intermission, and he, you know, just an instant recall. He, he had stories about about his dad, particularly the story of that that uh, Larry Mick used to kill time when they would be at the airport waiting for flights. He would do the uh, dollar bill on a fishing line trick, you know, put it out and you'll go to grab and he'd, he'd yank it away. <laughs> and just, just an instant recall. And that's Joe. You, you name the player, he has a story about that player. If you name the city, he has a story about something that happened in that city. So uh, I'm having I'm having a great time in, 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 in putting the book together. Um, you know, guys who he played with or four over the years. So I got to interview Harry Sinden. I got to talk to Glenn Sather. You know, I got to have lunch with Joe and his brother Jimmy and Bernie Perrant one day, and oh you know, unfortunately, some of the best stuff, some of the best stories, <laughs> we can't print. But that's that's okay. <laughs> I, I'm having I'm having a blast. <laughs> so it's nothing to complain about. It's it's all good. Well, that sounds like a fantastic pro- project. Uh, you'll have to let us know when uh, when when publication is is getting near, and we'll have you back on the show to to maybe share some uh, some more stories uh, as you go through this journey with Joe Watson. Um, we certainly can't uh, thank you enough for joining us today to tell us uh, both some stories uh, from the alumni side of things, but also uh, in this in this crazy off season that the Flyers are are about to really embark on. Uh, we know it's a, a busy week as we're all getting ready for the draft, uh, both drafts next week. So we can't thank you enough for taking time to join us again on the Press Zone. Uh, you can find Bill on Twitter at Bill Meltzer, and of course uh, head over to the FlyersNHL.com site to read all of uh, Bill's fantastic. Fantastic entries uh, there. And uh, Bill, again, we just can't thank you enough and always enjoy talking to you. Always a pleasure. Thank you both. Thanks, Bill. Rick, I always enjoy when Bill Meltzer joins us here on the show. I could sit and listen to him tell stories uh, <laughs> for hours, it seems. Uh, he's just a, a wealth of knowledge uh, about hockey and about uh both the history of the Flyers organization, but just the day-to-day ins and outs and goings-on and and always has a, a great perspective to bring to listeners. Bill's very plugged in, uh, but he also is is very good at thinking through things. And you heard as 
we threw various scenarios at him. There were things that he's thought about, and and uh, he he provides a, a very realistic view of of uh, what's going to happen, and 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 things are going to start to happen uh, quite quickly. We heard uh, Chuck Fletcher today uh, talk about. Um, you know, there are announcements in the pipeline that will be coming out with respect to uh, coaching staff or hockey operations uh, announcements. And and, uh, and then as we get into uh, the expansion draft and the uh, NHL entry draft. And, uh, you know, Fletcher did say the phones have been busy so far. Uh, I, I enjoyed... A- Flair was there with him as well, and I enjoyed when when someone asked, "Is the is the number thirteen overall first round pick uh, up for grabs in terms of making a deal?" And um, they both kind of looked at each other, and Brett Flair laughed and said, "Well, it depends on who you ask." <laughs> and Chuck was the first to say uh, he'd like me to hold on to it, uh, but but Chuck definitely did not shy away from saying if it is the right piece, it if it is the right asset. Uh, then I would certainly consider giving away that first round pick. So uh, and said that <laughs> that uh, it was probably more likely this year than it has been. Yeah. So I'm sure that'll just I'm I I'm I'm sure Flyers fans love hearing that. Uh, you know, it's it's going to be a very interesting off season. As as Bill said, he you even pointed out, Rick. He used the words. Crucial, critical, vital. Uh, those are definitely the correct adjectives to use for this offseason for Chuck Fletcher. And uh, we will wait on the edge of our seats to see what unfolds in the next couple of weeks. Uh, and thank you once again to Bill for joining us. We always uh, appreciate. We know he has a very busy schedule and we always appreciate when he takes the time to join us here on the show. On that note, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to go around the AHL and beyond. We're going to talk about some prospects. We're going to talk about uh, the ECHL and the AHL. And we are going to talk about all of the big hockey news and hockey events that are coming up in the next couple of weeks uh, and our coverage of them. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. The Press Zone is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. Be sure to follow us on social media. Find us on Twitter at The AHL Report. Check out our original game photography on Instagram at AHL Report and watch our exclusive video interviews with players, coaches, and other notable hockey names on our YouTube channel, at AllHabs. Just remember to turn on notifications so that you never miss a video. The AHL Report, your premier source for Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and all American Hockey League news. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit AHLReport.com and click the Join Our Team tab at the top of the page today.
And welcome back to the Press Zone right here on the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Media. Again, don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Uh, two places. Be sure you're following at the AHL Report. That's the place to go for all of your AHL news, uh, game recaps when, when we're in the midst of hockey season and all sorts of other great content. And of course, you can also follow this podcast at the Press Zone. Uh, make sure you're following both of those on Twitter. Uh, in this segment, we just uh, have a few notes about the AHL and even beyond that. Um, we know that there's going to be a new team in Abbotsford, uh, the Vancouver Canucks moving their AHL affiliate a little closer to home. Uh, they were actually slated to launch that team its name, its branding, its logo, that kind of thing, last week. Uh, and at the last minute, it got postponed a week. They said there were still some loose ends that they had to tie up. So this week, uh, we will find out what the Abbotsford team is going to be called and and what their uh, team launch is going to look like. So we'll bring all of that to you next week for sure. Um, interesting thing to note, uh, you know, we've talked about uh, how the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, won the Stanley Cup uh yet again this year. Um, interestingly, the ECHL, and we talk, we, you know, we hear it quite often, oh, there's so many AHL grads uh, who who were part of the Stanley Cup winning team this year. And and to their credit, the ECHL did something similar with a, with a, a press release this year um, saying that for the 21st consecutive year, uh, the ECHL is represented on the Stanley Cup champion team. Uh, by one player, Yanni Gord uh, was an ECHL alum, but also a number of other uh, folks within front management, front office management, and so forth. Uh, assistant coach Derek Lalonde is an ECHL grad. The director of player development, JP Cote, an ECHL grad. Uh, the assistant equipment manager, Jason Berger, is an ECHL grad, as is their radio play-by-play announcer, Dave Mishkin. Um, and Rick, the reason I so some people may say, well, who cares? Uh, but we talk so often about how uh, the AHL is a development league, not just for players, but for all aspects of a hockey team. And this is just a further example of that, of, of that the ECHL is also keyed into that development process. I know you like to talk about that that triple A and double A major league baseball kind of pyramid uh, of system. And the same thing goes here. And, and, and it really is a testament to um, developing at the lower pro levels and, and working your way up and Stanley cup dreams can come true. The great organizations are the ones who develop from within because you can uh, have players, particularly in a salary cap environment, players uh, that are contributing beyond, uh, you know, in, in their early years beyond their, their salary cap level. And, and um, the, um, yeah, the, 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 the progression, of course, there's, there's not going to be that many uh, ECHL players, but, but uh, should be a lot of AHL grads or alums in your lineup that make contributions. And, and that's one of the reasons that, that we cover all leagues is, mm-hmm. is so that, Fans uh, and listeners are, um, uh, you know, very comfortable with with uh, the 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 names and the talents of these players before they get to the NHL level. Uh, the Syracuse Crunch put out a graphic, and and it was I found it very impactful. Um, it says Syrac- Syracuse Crunch alumni who are Stanley Cup champions. 
and they had 24 players and uh, nine um, uh, hockey operations folks uh, that uh, are alums of the Syracuse Crunch that made an impact uh, on uh, the the Tampa Bay Lightning roster. And and uh, not just that they. You know, not just that they played in the AHL, uh, maybe with another organization, worked there, but they were Syracuse Crunch alumni, the AHL affiliate of, of Tampa Bay. So I, I think that That's was... That's incredible. Yeah, I, I think it was amazing. And and I know you've said this before, Syracuse is doing it right. Syracuse, For sure. Syracuse is, con- is a perennial um, contender in their division in the AHL. They are always tough to play against. They are always coached well. Um, You hear nothing but fabulous things about their organization as a whole. And this is kind of the proof is in the pudding that, as you say, it's not that there were this gigantic number of players and coaches and front office staff from all over the AHL that were on this Stanley Cup winning team. It's that they all come from the same franchise uh, at some point in time or another. That's a testament to uh, having a good development system in place, a solid development system, and one that is geared towards bringing home the Stanley Cup as often as possible. And they've gone back-to-back years now. There's all kinds of talk right now uh, that uh, Tampa Bay is in uh, salary cap trouble for next year. And, And for sure... Um, but in this graphic, there's there's folks like Boris Kachuk and and Radish and Mitchell Stevens, um, and, and Walcott and and players who we've seen uh, in the AHL, mm-hmm. uh, and we know that we'll be filling some of those places uh, for players that will have to move on because of seller cap restrictions. It's it's really tremendous, and again, I I tip my hat to. Uh, everyone in every aspect of work at the AHL and ECHL levels, uh, it is a grind day in and day out, year in and year out. Um, but when you keep at it and you persist, uh, good things can happen. And so uh, they're there for a reason. And, and that's just tremendous news. Uh, next week is a big week. It's prospect season and uh, it's a little... Uh, It's a little more crazier than usual. Uh, Condensed schedule. You've got the Seattle Kraken officially enter the league uh, with their uh, expansion draft on Wednesday night. Um, And then two days later is the first round of the the 2021 NHL entry draft. Uh, It will be held virtually again this year uh, with Gary Bettman um, in the studios in Secaucus, New Jersey, I believe. Uh, So it'll be virtual again this year. So you've got the expansion draft happening. Then you've got uh, the entry draft happening. And in the midst of rounds two through seven of the entry draft happening on that same day, next Saturday, USA hockey will be kicking off the 2021 world junior summer showcase hosting teams, Finland and Sweden for, uh, you know, a, a more than a week long uh, mini tournament to get uh, to give scouts and and managers and so forth and coaches a good look at at who could be making up the rosters for those three countries at the World Juniors next year. So we will have Rick can testify this to this allhabs.net and the AHL report uh, will have full coverage of all of those events. Uh, it's the place to be and. Uh, very busy time. Very busy time. There is no, we always say there's no off season. This, this year we really mean it. <laughs> um, now, Rick, our feel good finale, we tease this at the top of the show. 
Today is the first episode of season five of The Press Zone. Can you believe that we've hit season five already? No, I can. I can't either. It's it seems like yesterday we were just starting, uh, starting out, um, and so there's a new season ahead. Uh, we know that you come here for um, real analysis, um, the the analysis and insight that we can give you from being in rinks and and talking to scouts and talking to coaches and talking to players and and giving you kind of a, a little bit of of insight and and a perspective that you might not get elsewhere but you also come here for some really tremendous exclusive interviews we've got lots more of those coming um and uh, we're really excited about that i'm very excited to say next week is the 200th episode. Not only is it season five, we're kicking off season five this week. Next week is the 200th episode of The Press wow. Zone. And so, you know, we we run The Press Zone Montreal and The Press Zone Philadelphia every week. So, so this week it was episode 198 was The Press Zone Montreal. Episode 199 was The Press Zone Philadelphia. We can't play favorites, of course. So... Both of our audiences get to share the 200th episode. We'll have a special combined Montreal-Philadelphia um, press zone next week to celebrate our 200th episode. You don't want to miss it. Uh, might have some trips down memory lane. You never know. We'll just, we, we'll have some fun. We know we'll have talk, hockey to talk about, though, uh, Rick, as we... Uh, Will we have Kraft mac and cheese flavored ice cream? I'm going to go ahead and say, say no. 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 <laughs> No. But maybe we'll maybe we should make some KD. <laughs> All right, and um, you know, I'm sure that'll sound great eating that on a microphone. Mm -hmm. Creamy craft mac and cheese on a micro. No, we're just not going to go there. Um, I have to say thank you to all of our uh, loyal listeners. I have to say thank you to the entire Rocket Sports team who is continually supportive of what we do here at Rocket Sports here at the AHL report and here at the press zone, um, their listenership, their feedback, their encouragement, uh, is, is, uh, incomparable. And I, if I don't say thank you enough to them for it, uh, let me say thank you very loudly right now. And of course, Rick, I have to thank you for being, uh, my tremendous co-host, uh, couldn't do the show every week without you. And, um, it just wouldn't be the same without us, uh, captaining this ship of the press zone and uh it's been a fun four seasons and i think this season's going to be pretty tremendous as well i think so too thank you to our listeners uh we appreciate you we are very grateful that you're with us each and every week and we're grateful that uh you share um the content that we have and uh our our uh Hockey community family has grown and grown and grown and grown over the last few years, and uh, we're we're just very, so very appreciative to you for that. So, with all that being said, um, I know I always say buckle up, but I feel like every week you have to add an extra seatbelt because I think things are going to get pretty exciting uh, coming down the stretch here. Uh, lots of hockey news. We'll be uh, we'll be having our ear to the ground on all of the latest, and we look forward to joining you here next Tuesday for the 200th episode of The Press Zone right here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe to never miss an episode of The Press Zone on Rocket Sports Radio. Visit ahlreport.com for the latest news on hockey prospects.